Hello again, finally. Uh, I'm going to do a roundup of Ethiopia as we come to a close on our trip here. Um, got a couple more days cycled to the border of Kenya via Omarate, which is quite um, a rogue um, route to go, to be honest. Most people go like straight down the middle of Ethiopia, south down into Kenya. We're going way, way um, southwest, west really, uh, so that we'll be ready to get straight into Uganda um, as early as possible. We're not going to spend too much time in Kenya. Actually, I am, but um, just <laughs> technically, um, I'm headed to an island in Lake Victoria, which is in the Kenyan side of Lake Victoria, but that's divided up and um, Ke uh, Kevin will be at another place on Lake Victoria, which will be in Uganda. So long story short, we're heading to Uganda um, and I'll be pretty close to there for a few weeks, but I'll fill you in on that when I am there. Uh, Ethiopia, we've been in for a really long time now, like six weeks or something. Um, I feel like we know it pretty well um, and there's so much to know. I think I mentioned a lot of the things, the weird like nuances that they have in my first couple of pods. Um, but since then, I've sort of discovered some more things. Um, one of which is this really weird thing that Ethiopians do, I think all over the country I've had it, it's not just been like a recent southern revelation, um, but Kevin hasn't noticed it at all and I keep on trying to point it out to him and it's he doesn't even pick up on it. Basically what happens is they do this thing when they're talking to you um, where they do like a sharp intake of breath, so I'm going to try really hard and do this naturally, but it kind of falls into your sentence like... And then you carry on. But obviously, it's hard to explain because you don't really know what the language is and you don't know what each thing is meant to be stressed, like if it's meant to stress something. So anyway, um, they, yeah, they do this weird sharp intake of breath, which I have picked up, which is ridiculous. Um, I do it much more naturally when I do it by accident. Um I, I kind of suffer from that thing um, where you, it's when you you empathise so much that you take on someone's accent, which is really embarrassing. Um, and it seems like I've done it with this intake of breath um, because I found myself doing it quite a lot since we've been here. Um, and again, Kevin hasn't picked up on that either, but it's definitely happening um, and I hope it doesn't come home with me because it's really weird and out of context. But anyway, I researched it and it is a thing. Um, they they do it to exclaim sort of surprise, which is an obvious one. And then also sympathy. Um, but it also is just generally used as like a way of saying I understand. Um, which I kind of get actually, thinking about it, if you slow it down, it's almost like a like an ah kind of thing. They use it like aha. So it's just a different way of doing that. Um, so yeah, that's that's one thing that I picked up more recently. Um, took a bit longer to notice. Uh, what else? 
So, oh, we, we've also discovered the wonders of Ethio Jazz, which is really good, actually. I didn't realise, but I already had this really obscure Ethio Jazz song uh, on my iTunes, um, and it was playing on the TV when we were at this really random hotel the other day, and it, like, I was like, I know this song. And it didn't even have words. So it was a weird song to feel like I knew, like very, like I knew the instrumental very well. Um, but it's not that surprising because Ethio Jazz is massive. Um, we learned that when we went to Addis, um, there's a few jazz clubs which are very Ferengified, to be honest. There wasn't that many um, native Ethiopian people there as you can imagine, but um, the the musicians were, and they were amazing. Um, we, yeah, we really enjoyed the music at this one club. It was like the African Jazz Club or something. Um, I know that's a really obvious name, but that is actually what it's called. Uh, so, yeah, we did that, and while we were there, there was a guy sat in the corner, quite, like, he was trying to keep it quite low-key, um, quite an old guy and people kept on going up and asking him for his autograph um, Kevin noticed first and then we were kind of looking because he he did give autographs and then the musicians that were playing he posed for photos so we thought okay this guy's quite a big deal then because like the mu musicians were were really impressed by him as well and they were quite impressive already so we thought that was quite interesting. Um, I wanted to go and ask him for his autograph, but I thought that might be a bit... didn't actually know who he was. Um, so, sorry about that noise, by the way. We're currently staying in a brothel. Um, not intentionally, but it's just one of those things. And <laughs> it's kind of funny, because I don't know if you can hear those background noises, but it kind of sounds like I'm bleeper, bleepering out the real noises. Um... I don't know, maybe don't read into that too much, but um, it's quite quiet here at the moment, thank God. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we we saw this guy, and a couple of weeks later, um, I'm sat having dinner in this random hotel, and the, this guy comes on the TV, and he's he's known as, like, the father of Ethio Jazz, and it's this guy from the club, so... Yeah, um, oh, what's his name? I think I wrote it down. Oh, Jesus, I didn't. Right, um, he's, anyway, he was, he's meant to be the founder of the music itself. Uh, and weirdly, I will remember his name, but he went to university in South Wales. So amidst all the Amharic language that's going on, because I saw the this founder was like a subtitle thing in English, um, the rest was all in American. And then mid that, I hear South Wales University or something. And it's like, what? But yeah, he apparently really liked Wales. So I spent loads of time there. I've probably had a bit of influence uh, in his music as well. Who knows? So that was another thing that happened. Um, that was way back now when we went to Addis Ababa. Um, we, we had a bit of time... Um, let's say we raced to Addis um, separately. So I um, cycled to Addis in two days and I was quite proud of myself because I probably broke a record 
for the trip and forever. Um, I cycled 220 kilometers and climbed 3,000 meters in two days, uh, which that's quite intense. Um, but it wasn't too bad because I'm quite the type of person that if there's an aim or a sort of target at the end, I just go for it. Um, so yeah, and the aim in this case was getting to Addis, um, which doesn't have the best reputation to be honest, because it's probably one of the poorer African cities, uh, capital cities. Um, actually, I don't know that for a fact, but anyway, it's not, it's not the most beautiful. Um, but I was quite excited because we haven't really been in any good big cities since day one, to be honest. Um, I wasn't that impressed with Amman. Uh, Cairo was fun, but it's so big and it's mental. And um, I it wasn't like that lovely, to be honest. Um, and then the rest are all quite small. And then Khartoum had all the sanctions against it and is very, very poor. So it has nothing. Um, so Addis was like the first place that really was quite like worth going into the city for all the uh, sort of the luxuries that we've been lacking um, and we really got them like the food was amazing and it wasn't really amazing but it just seemed amazing because there were options um, we had some really good pizza well again not that good a pizza but pizza um, <laughs> which feels like the most amazing thing in the world when you haven't had it for ages um, but no, there was some really good food as well. We went to this really fancy Korean restaurant that I found by accident. Um, and the food was extortionately priced, but I just didn't care. I got a ramen, um, and it was really nice. Uh, we had some good fish and, oh, I went to a, it was like a cafe that's quite famous for tourists and like everyone recommends you go there. To be honest with you, it was exactly like a sort of nice, well-to-do cafe in England. Um, so it made me feel a bit weird because it was it was actually exactly the same. Um, and when I was there, I realised that the menu was only in English, uh, which made it more weird, I guess. Um, and I think that probably all the customers in there were foreigners. And I just felt so guilty about it. Um, came out with a real sense of guilt. And I think it's because up until Addis, we've been living a life that uh, I feel, I'm, don't take this the wrong way, but I feel closer to the locals than I do the tourists that are sort of splashing their cash and, um, you know, they're on holiday because we're not on holiday really. And we really are slumming, slumming it most of the time obviously staying in a brothel tonight, um, you know, our accommodation usually costs about two pounds, um, we just use the shared shower, etc., shared toilet, um, so I think it was that, and then stepping out of this cafe, and I haven't really mentioned it, but Ethiopia has a shocking amount of begging, um, like, there's just begging everywhere, um, and I might get onto that later, but I just felt so much more guilty turning everybody down um, that was asking for things after I'd been to that cafe, um, especially because you know that that 
exists in their country but is not available to them. Um, like the fact that there's no Amharic menu just suggests that it's not it's not designed for and it was like you know chalkboards with fancy writing but obviously that fancy writing was in English with like imported ingredients from Norway and yes I did like oh, oh my god the idea of smoked salmon and all of that stuff was amazing but yeah I just felt really weird afterwards and like it kind of put me off doing that because that's not really why we're here I guess like I should just go home or go to Norway for that um so yeah that was just one little interesting thing that was part of the food in Addis um Addis itself was kind of cool I really liked it um it reminded me a little bit of North America um as you're cycling in there's it's mainly because of the sort of weird highway wide lane roads inside a city that it was the North American vibe um and it had trams um and buses and it's like that sort of stuff it's all bustly like a yeah like a America with like high rises but then it had some nice blossom and stuff as you cycled in so it was yeah I really liked it I mean most people don't come back from Addis and say it was lovely it's usually just a stopgap for people most people I met um, I actually stayed in a hostel and most people I met were just there for that one day and then they'd get like a transfer to somewhere that me and Kevin had been previous um, one of them being where we did that tour uh, there's a bit of a route in Ethiopia that everyone just sort of jumps on a bus or not a bus but you know private thing um, and goes to and from um, and I think that maybe is another reason that they don't like tourists very much here because no one really gets to know them at all. It's just sort of quick passing through to go and see this attraction. No one really cares about the people. Um, it's about the the beauty of the country, which, like, is a plenty. Um, but, yeah, people aren't really, really interested in getting to know Ethiopians, I don't think. Um, and I can't really say that. We have um, put in too much effort on that front either, uh, we don't know as much of the language as we should. Um, and we have lost patience a lot of the time with people here because it's really hard to um, talk to people when they just constantly want things from you. Uh, a little bit of an Egypt vibe, but not as bad. Um, but the begging, like I said, is shocking. Um, I think it's a lot to do with the fact that there's been so much aid here um anytime we went into a an area with like UK aid or which you'll be pleased to know there is actually a lot of which is really nice to see um and then also a lot of save the children world vision um the US aid is massive they seem to have helped hugely um and then a lot of other charities and countries have clearly been involved as well um but anytime we've been through those areas <laughs> it's always been the worst for um, people expecting stuff from you and when they don't get it, becoming quite aggressive. Um, and, yeah, children just being very relentless with not not really recognising you as a person but just demanding immediately pens, um, money, uh, what else? Just anything. Honestly, they, they eye you up as you're coming along and they can see everything you've got and they'll name it 
and ask you for your bottle and everything. And it's really sad because they don't have anything. Like, they're not just saying that. They... Oh, I just realised this sounds so preachy. Um, anyway, just give you a little idea of the the begging stuff because it has been a surprise and I don't think we're going to find it anywhere else. Um, we haven't really found it anywhere before now either. Um, Egypt, they weren't um, begging at all. That it was just uh, hassle, but this is a bit different. But anyway, we'll move on from that subject because... Um, it's depressing. So what else? Oh, uh, traveling through places. We've seen loads of cool stuff now. I'm happy because before I was like, come on, where's the wildlife? We've been in Africa for quite a long time. Um, but just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen loads and it's been really nice because it's just like natural, like there's just baboons just wandering around all over the place. And you're like, get out of the way. Um, there's little monkeys, we've seen galados, which are native to Ethiopia, I think, um, keep seeing mongooses, mongoose, mongai, who knows, um, what else, oh, one cool thing the other day was just some warthogs, quite big, actually, quite scary, um, <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're bigger than looks in The Lion King, I was surprised, uh, and they were sort of butting heads and doing normal hug stuff so that was cool um there are hippos around but we haven't seen any yet but I'm sure we will uh we didn't want to pay to go see them the other day um because we think that we'll sort of naturally see them apparently up in north um the north of Ethiopia near Gondar people just see them sort of crossing the road and stuff or something like that someone says saw them crossing a bridge um so yeah they're quite commonplace uh, if anyone else fancies visiting this country. Uh, what else? Right. Sorry, I do have a massive list this time because it's been so long. Um, I won't moan about the kids anymore, even though they stole my sun cream and they don't need it. Um, yeah. What else? Oh, there are other, some other weird stuff. Okay, so I, I did put a little note that it's a bit of a love-hate relationship with Ethiopia, um, which it is because they're just so bonkers, but so lovable, but awful at the same time. Um, <laughs> but I think overall it's been really positive. Um, I think it's been the most interesting country to spend the longest amount of time in. Um, for example, one of the traditional drinks here is, I think it's called smeh or something. Um, and it's a mixture of tea and coffee together in the same cup, which I think sounds absolutely vile. Um, from afar, it looks like a really well-made coffee, like a macchiato or something with the layering, because everything's separated. Um, but the reason it has is because those things should not ever be put together in a cup. And, um, oh, those tastes, I don't understand it, but it's quite popular here, I've seen it a lot. Um, so that's one funny thing that they do, but that's just one, one of many. Um, I've mentioned the other weird stuff like the calendar, uh, they've got their own calendar time. They just like to mess with everything that exists, uh, and make their own version and then just pour tremendous resistance against the original worldwide accepted version. So 
yeah, that's just life here, I think. It's just funny. Um, oh, I probably shouldn't mention this, but uh, I had a collision the other day, which was probably me being a little bit too ballsy more than anything, um, because the the guys around here do torment you a little bit, um, kids and then sort of like the teenagers and stuff, and I do think it's worth mentioning because it's kind of funny, but I had a small, <laughs> a small accident um, involving a motorbike, but it wasn't really what conventionally you'd think would be a sort of bike accident, um, a motorbike was was getting in the way and he kind of this guy was acting like he was going to pull in front of me uh, and I was on a descent so I was going quite fast on my bike um and our bikes are really sturdy so I never worry too much like they're yeah they're they're kind of built like tanks they're really heavy because we've got a lot of stuff on them so this guy was like standing like sort of pretending to step out with his motorbike and I was like screw it oh uh, oh, Kevin's come back, I think. So I'm going to have to pause. Sorry, Kevin came in at the um, most sort of climactic, climactic moment of that story. Uh, and then I had second thoughts about actually telling it because I've got some sensitive ears listening to these pods. Um, but I think I'm going to go ahead. So... Anyway, this guy brings out his motorbike. He's, he's like, I'm profile to him. So I'm coming down the road and he's, he's sort of stepping out with his motorbike. I think he was standing on it, but he might have just been holding it. Um, and I'm going quite fast and I'm obviously not going to hit him full speed. But I think I could probably do this and come out okay. So... I'm coming down. I I broke a little before him to lose a little speed because it's like a game of chicken and I'm sick of it. So I thought, yeah, right, come on then. Put your money where, where your mouth is. So he's standing there. I'm making eye contact with him and I've really mastered heavy eye contact now. I do it with all the kids as well. And so I'm like coming straight towards him, break a little bit to like lose a little bit of my speed because otherwise I'd have gone flying. And then <laughs> hit the back of his motorbike, knock his motorbike over, which I'm particularly proud of. I'm still standing on my bike fine because I braced for it and I was like, they're sturdy, like I said. Um, Corelli's also in one piece, like tyre was fine. That's the only thing I was a little bit worried about, bursting. And uh, yeah, knocked his bike over. I might have also... <laughs> managed to knock the well yeah let's just say kept by accident knock uh the backlight of his motorbike um and I I mean I was in shock about this myself but I just sort of was like yeah yeah come on then and then I cycled away obviously as fast as I could but um I just wanted to share that really because it was my first motorbike accident um it's not really what I thought that would be, um, and I felt like a bit of a menace, uh, on the roads after that, I thought, like, word might travel down the street, like, don't mess with her, um, so, yeah, that was, that was a bit of fun, um, 
it has Ethiopia has been tough and it has I have like hardened a little bit to things and um I know it sounds stupid but it does um yeah it does toughen you up like people people debate whether they should cycle Ethiopia because it has got a really bad reputation uh, and I think definitely do it because it's been amazing but there is a reason that it has a reputation and um it makes you stronger let's say and maybe more foolish too um but that was in a particularly rough area that we were warned about um where was it it was we left Addis and oh right things got a bit more tribal um which like Ethiopia is very tribal uh there all, all the regions are split um and there's been a lot of like rivalry between them up until now and still there is rivalry between them um which i think is why they behave the way they do um i'm gonna name a couple of instances i mean actually kevin got a mango thrown at him yesterday which was really funny Uh, and then i sort of followed behind and scooped up the mango and put it in my basket like you lost your mango now um so that's been fun but yeah we do get like fruit pelted at us sometimes um there's also always the question where are you go um twice on this trip was one time I heard where where have you been and I almost had a heart attack so I was like wow that's good grammar and then yesterday I think it was I had where are you going and I I answered her so well because I was like you're very good you deserve a real answer um but generally, it's where are you go, and it's all sort of merged. So it's like where are you all, um, in like a slur. That was a rubbish impression, but it's like a slur. Um, and I've been thinking about it a bit, and I think that again is just the whole tribal thing. Like they just want to know because everyone's very, um, what's the word? Like isolated in their tribe. So they don't really know what else is going on in other areas, I guess. This is just an assumption, but I think it is. Like, I don't think they know the country very well. They just know their area. Um, cause that's all that matters. So I think that is, yeah, where are you go is sort of attributed to, to that. Um, what else have I seen? I've noticed there's a lot of army where we've just passed through guarding people that are picking bananas, which is interesting. Um, we haven't seen army presence anywhere else in Ethiopia. Suddenly we reached like massive banana plantations um, and also a few mango plantations as well. And like on a huge scale, um, like obviously bananas grow everywhere in Ethiopia and people buy them and sell them and we eat them um but this is different and i think i don't know i suspect that it's to do with the um export so i think that because the amount that they're picking and then they sort of load them into this massive truck that's like transport for export type scale so it's interesting that they have army um protection for those doesn't seem necessary for bananas but it it must be because I really can't think why they would have it otherwise um it's just like arm armed guards and like in their army uniform standing with people that are picking bananas which we see people picking bananas all the time and they don't need that 
unless the bananas are really dangerous actually didn't think of that um <laughs> could be that as well anyway um so that's uh been going on since we got down here into like i said sort of southwest the climate's getting insanely hot again it cooled down in addis and it was really nice um it was actually cold sometimes and it was nice for christmas for that as well um and yeah they celebrated christmas in addis on the 7th of january so it did feel kind of like christmasy wintry um but now it's really getting quite scorching and uh i've lost my sun cream as well so that's not ideal um and yeah i'm i'm pretty hot as i record right now and it's 7:15 p.m. um and dark and it's just it's so hot um but yeah i think that's that's one thing that's been noticeable about ethiopia too actually um things change it's so big here like the country's massive so things do change like climate um people uh you know, there's been a few Muslim communities, quite a lot actually. So like some areas are really conservative. Um, it's been like back to not feeling comfortable wearing shorts. And then other places have been much more free. Um, the tribe areas seem a little bit more primal. Um, was chatting with a guy earlier who was particularly proud that the people in, uh, I think it's Omarate is the place. No, oh the omar amaro amaro valley that's a sort of area um these people are living the same way that they lived um you know like he was talking about like 500 before christ and stuff like the it's so traditional but hasn't moved at all and they're proud of it um and it's cool and that's the way i wanted to um conclude actually um one of the the sort of biggest things that I've observed from being here and it's taken a while because like I said it's been a bit of a love hate with Ethiopia and um a lot of the time when you when you sort of feel um the hatred you don't really want to engage with people and you don't really like we're just like eyes down a lot of the time um because you just haven't got the patience or you know you don't you don't really take it in um and it's only been the last few days that I actually have uh started enjoying the kids even though they are menaces they're just having fun um and I'm kind of happy that I'm giving them some fun even if it's at my expense um and it's made me see a few other things um that maybe make this a little bit more uplifting um because like I said Ethiopia is really poor um there's like some real sad things going on here um that we probably just can't even imagine at home and it's it is a bit depressing but I have noticed some nice things um one of them is actually kind of sad for us but I've noticed that the when we go out in the evening or in the day wherever um the only people on their mobile phones are me and Kevin and 
and we're traveling so i've already imposed a little rule on that so that we we pay a bit more attention to our surroundings as well i mean obviously we do have to use our phones for certain things but i think we're just so addicted to them as well that we don't even realize that we're doing it um and i've really noticed that for one reason or another nobody is on their phones here like yes some of them don't have phones yes some of their phones are nokia 3210s not actually but they equivalent but a lot of people do have smartphones here and they're not sat on them 24 7 um one thing i noticed um in previous cities is that there's like random holes in the ground everywhere so there's no way you can get away with walking with your phone out at all like you will die very quickly um which maybe is a good thing so maybe we should put some holes in oh oh and the street streets aren't lit at all as well that's not the key thing it's not like you just fall down a hole but um so you have to look out for that you've got to be more alert and more engaged with stuff um the traffic's mental so obviously you can't really afford to just be on your phone like you need to stay alert at all times um so yeah that's that's a reason and people not having phones but also i just think people are more sociable here um they're not in those habits that we have and i've really noticed that yes there it is incredibly sad that children are working from the age of like birth really probably from walking age you can see them working uh in fields and like carrying gathering sticks like constant work um for most people to be honest um throughout your whole family life but there is a tiny silver lining to that that i've noticed that in these communities people are so happy to be working with the people that they are um like they're spending time with their family all day and I'm sure they probably hate that at times too but these kids are growing up with their parents um you know they're like they're really living their lives all together in their communities and then the communities are really close-knit like obviously they're they're tribes and they're there to protect each other I don't know like obviously now it's fairly peaceful but at some points these tribes have probably had to defend each other and um you know look after each other against other outsiders which is why they shout Ferengi as soon as they see us I think because anyone shouts Ferengi immediately when they see our skin and they've probably been taught to do that to kind of like alert like there's Ferengi means foreigner so it's not like white person it's just a foreigner to the tribe um so yeah it's it's been really interesting seeing how other people actually live um and spend their lives together and yeah I mean it's incredibly hard the lives that they live and they're like forced to work but um one nice thing is that you know a lot of these communities are really close and have really special relationships um and recently I've seen kids just running around it's so like free you like in England you just don't think six-year-old kids can run around at night playing but like 
here you, they do and they're like naked running around and they're just laughing and yes they're in the road and it's absolutely mental to us but it's just a different life completely um yesterday I saw like a massive group and this isn't the first time but this group was like at least sort of 20 um youngish guys like from sort of 10 to I don't know 15 or something and they're all butt naked and they're all like swimming in this pool and splashing each other and they're like play fighting and there's just like no you know they're just completely free no restrictions they just go for it and have fun and it was really really nice um so I know I got a bit preachy and it now has gone a bit preachy the other way but it, there has been some really cool sights here um, involving the people and they do sometimes seem hostile to outsiders but between their communities I think they've got something really special um, so I think I've decided that I love Ethiopia um, I really hope that doesn't change in the next couple of days um, but I think the the scenery is stunning uh, the cycling's been incredibly rewarding, a lot of climbing. Um, yeah, there's so much uh, landscape, varied landscape and fun stuff, wildlife. Um, but I think the coolest thing is the people, actually. Um, and it's taken a bit longer than most people come and spend here to realise that. But... Um, yeah, I think I've just realised that. So thanks for giving me a revelation. And I'm starving, so I'm going to go. Um, and I will pod again soon, maybe from Kenya. We'll see.